Welcome to the September 2006 edition of Cato Audio. I'm Bill McGregor. Coming up, got SWAT? Being wary of big bedfellows. Finding a way out of the desert. Liberty's podcast. Mischief in Minsk. And in our featured segment, Jerry Taylor with the lowdown on high gas prices. All coming up on Cato Audio. The world has changed a lot since Sandy Griffith first pinned on a badge and hired Barney Fife. If the show were being made today, Mayberry would have a SWAT team. After all, if you're a real police department, you've got to have a SWAT team. And if you've got a SWAT team, you've got to use it or lose it. Radley Balco, Cato analyst, has a new Cato white paper out called Overkill, the Rise of Paramilitary Police Raids in America. And he joins us at the roundtable along with Mark Muller, Cato Senior Fellow in Constitutional Studies. Thank you both for being here. Radley Balco, first off, what is a SWAT team and how did we get them? Uh, a SWAT team is a uh, supposed to be a, a very highly trained group of elite police officers designed to defuse violent situations. SWAT teams were invented actually by uh, Daryl Gates, the former uh, police chief in Los Angeles, shortly after the Watts riots. And uh, Gates had actually looked at a nearby community that was dealing at the time with the farm worker uprisings of Cesar Chavez and saw one of these sort of elite units and decided he wanted to, to employ one in Los Angeles. So he brought in some ex-military guys, handpicked a, uh, a group of officers, and trained them in things like crowd control. Um, he trained a sniper, you know, forced entry tactics, and put together this very highly trained unit. SWAT teams gained public acceptance after the infamous University of Texas incident where Charles Whitman descended to the tower on campus and opened fire on the people below. The police there were outpowered, couldn't get anyone up into the tower to disarm him. It was finally uh, one police officer and a uh, citizen who went up inside the tower and got him at close range, but no one could do anything. No, The police department couldn't reach him. That's right. They didn't have the uh, the kind of weaponry they needed. There were a couple other high-profile incidents with the Black Panthers and the Symbionese Liberation Army, which kind of propelled SWAT into the popular culture. And by the end of the 1970s, most metropolitan areas had one. But they were being used at the time primarily for emergency situations like hostage takings and bank robberies, apprehending fugitives. And they performed very well and became a very effective police tool. Doesn't that make sense in a way? If you have extraordinary circumstances, you should have people with extraordinary training and extraordinary weapons. I know if I were going into a situation where I knew there was going to be a big fight, I wouldn't want to go simply with a duty-issue sidearm. I'd want something with a little more reach and power. Absolutely. And I think that in cases where the suspect presents an immediate threat to the community, a SWAT team makes perfect sense. What you're trying to do is de-escalate a violent situation. The problem is, and what I get into in the paper, is that over the course of the 80s, the 1980s, and 1990s, driven in large by the drug war, SWAT teams have been increasingly used for nonviolent situations, uh, for serving drug warrants primarily. And what you have there then is you're taking this very um, confrontational paramilitary type team into a home, usually in the middle of the night or in the very early morning. Uh, you're using violent tactics to get inside, flash grenades and kicking down doors. And what you're essentially doing is creating violent situations. You're not diffusing them. And I think, you know, just about anyone listening, you know, can imagine what you would do if you woke up in the middle of the night to have a team of intruders come into your home. 
you know, your first reaction is self-defense, not to wait and see if they're criminals or police officers. Mm-hmm. Mark Moeller, are there any constitutional problems raised by these? There is. It's called the knock and announce rule. It's a rule that has sort of an ancient pedigree that may even go back to Magna Carta. Uh, but it's a, it's a rule that says that when police come knocking at your door, whether to serve an arrest warrant or to serve a search warrant, they have to knock, they have to announce themselves, and they have to wait a reasonable amount of time before they enter. The Supreme Court recognized this was a rule of constitutional dimension. That is one that's required by the Fourth Amendment as early as Kirby, California, which was a case in the 1960s. And then they reaffirmed it as a Fourth Amendment rule in Wisconsin, I mean, Wilson v. Arkansas, which was just a few years ago in that unanimous opinion written by Justice.